Hi, welcome to the Holy Fuck Podcast. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, author of Fuck Like a Goddess, creator of Radical Awakenings, transformational coach, and student of life. I'm here to stand with you asking questions about what is sacred and what is profane and the space between. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. All right. Today we have someone that I've known for 20 years, 20 years, who's been a dear friend and a collaborator and a wise, wise woman. I'm really excited about this podcast because I think it will be a transmission of something greater than knowledge, greater than instructions, just a living transmission from the heart. So please enjoy my conversation with the juicy, the hilarious, the heartfelt Daniela Rabani. So this is Daniela Rabani, and we met nearly 20 years ago when we were both 18. We met on the first day of school at NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, still at their acting studio. And we've stayed friends ever since. And we've both gone through healing journeys, spiritual journeys. Um, you know, she's gone through motherhood, motherhood journeys. It's a journey, man. Motherhood journeys. I needed to slow down on that one. Um, and we're going to talk about all of it. Uh, mental health journey, psychedelic journeys, trauma healing journeys. So when we met back in 2000 and to, I don't think we knew like what was coming. Of course, you know, we imagined, oh, I'm going to get an agent at CAA. I'm going to be in a TV show. I'm going to do this and that. And so I think we've fulfilled some of those dreams to an extent while yeah. also expanding past sort of the limiting, just like, oh, I just want to be rich and famous and like a famous actress and get an and skinny. Did you, did you oh, not have that goal? Oh my that God, was like, of course. We both had eating disorders. I mean, that was like, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be skinny. That's how I'm going to be loved. That's how I'm going to be safe. That's definitely how I'm going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a spiritual thing already going, but it, I mean, it didn't, it didn't get rid of those other things. Like I was on a spiritual, I was very holy and very namaste, but I also wanted, yeah, to be a famous actress. Um, who else, before we move on to like healing things and spiritual things and mental health things, who else was in our class that mm. is doing really well now? Cause our class at NYU, cause that's kind of special. It is really special. Well, okay. Just, just, um, you know, doing really well is subjective. Uh, Jesse. Um, well, who's Weiss, doing cool shit in the world? Okay. Let's be Well, Jesse Wise is a nurse and has three amazing children. And I think she's super cool um, and doing cool shit. She also worked with the Shakespeare company in Brooklyn. And like, to me, I, I'm just like into, I'm, I'm, I'm into uh, how particular that is to her. She like really wanted to be a mother so badly. She really wanted to do Shakespeare so badly here. She's doing it. Then we oh. have Caitlin Fitzgerald. Who's just like right. a straight up movie star, like actual actual music. I just saw her in the, um, inventing Anna. Yeah. Me too. Show. Yeah. What else has she been in recently? She was also in succession. Okay. I didn't watch that show. She's a beautiful, um, a beautiful actress inside and out and like has just exploded as she should. And she was um, in the first season of my web show, be here now ish. And so oh, yeah. was Daniela. Um, we sat next to each other. 
Well, it's actually like basically yeah, a lot of people from Adler from art were in that. Victoria Haynes. Victoria um, Haynes also has done some really cool stuff. What's that? Christina Jeffs. Love her. She just had a baby. Um, I know this because I, I do a podcast about um, mom stuff. And I was like on the podcast, I was like, guys, it's really okay to get an epidural. Like it's not, it, it's not like a moral failing. And she like texted me. She's like, thanks for the heads up. Cause no one tells you that. Aww. That was, I, I haven't, I haven't kept in touch with her in a long time, but like, yeah. Um, we have mm. some really amazing, amazing friends. Anisha Nagarajan is on Broadway in oh. company. Oh. Well, that just won the Tony. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, we've, we've got a special crew. I'm sure I'm missing people. Renee, um, Ronit Aronoff is building her uh, career on television. Um, well, yeah. Do we have any men in our class? That's what I was just wondering. I, definitely there was one whose name I won't mention who stayed in and out of my lovership for a while. So let's just dive into now that we've got a little bit on the backstory of how we met, the fact that you are not only a mother, but you are a filmmaker, creator, an actress, um, you're all kinds of things. But let's get into your journey with your own like awakening, because when I met you, you were you were wearing, you know, carrying a Prada bag and you were nowhere about like a spiritual journey, a healing journey. How now you've texted me and you're like, I'm going into ceremony. I'm like, who is this woman? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think about you all the time when I go into ceremony because um, I remember like breastfeeding my daughter Paz. She's two and a half now. And I sent you a picture like, oh, I wish I was doing journeys with you. Like, I know, you know, you were on a sort of role with like, I, I'm like not sure that role. Play. You were just, you were, you were doing plant medicine, like regularly. Yeah. And now I'm and, not, but, that, but I was for like seven years. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I want to do it. I've never done it before. And you said something so beautiful to me. You were like, this is your ceremony. And it, and it has shown me so much of my shadow and so much of my light. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so interesting because like for me, my shadow for me is so apparent, you know, I'm like very well acquainted with it. My, my whole life I've been, it's been pointed out every, you know, all, all the things that are wrong with me, blah, blah, blah. But, but something that I, I'm, I'm learning more and more in these ceremonies, both in like, in the sort of day to day ceremony of, of motherhood and creativity, but also in like actual like MDMA journeys is my light is Mm. a light that I just never really um allowed myself to take in or to acknowledge or or that other people never really acknowledged um for me or maybe they did maybe I, I I don't know I'm not other people but I never um I never really connected to that but when we met I was a practicing you know, modern Orthodox Jew. That's true. You would leave school early on Friday and, you know, not use your phone, not take the elevator and you'd go practice and be in, um, you know, your Shabbat with your family. With my family uptown. So it wasn't even like I stayed in school, but I went all the way back uptown to my family. And, you know, that was um, like a suturing that I was doing at the time back and forth 
from this life that I was creating as an artist and, and like the taking off the armor of life as we were doing in um, actor training and then going back into life as I knew it as a, you know, my parents did the best they could, of course, but um, I think when you're in, when you're in the throes of like actor training, probably best to just be there, you know, go back yeah, on, on not to Georgia every week. No, I think I was really holding on tight to that identity. That's basically what I was doing. I was holding on tight to an identity because that's what you have to do when you're so close to your family, right? They want, they want, they want to know you're, they want to know you're okay. They want to know that they, right. that you're the same. And that's impossible when you're 18. Yeah. So there was that push pull from the very beginning. But by the time I had graduated, I started sort of not keeping Shabbat and all of that. It was always a very spiritual experience for me, Judaism. Yeah. It wasn't always um, like a mystical experience the way it can be for me now. but. it was like pretty practical, like don't turn on the lights and don't right. eat this. And yeah. Um, which I think has still, its place. Do you still practice with your family now? Your this family, like the two kids and your husband? You guys do um, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, but not religiously. Right. And um, and that works for me. I think like the rigidity of that experience was was for my very feminine, very creative, very sensitive soul was too structured, too linear, too masculine, too yeah. patriarchal. I actually know, I, I know a Judaism that is not patriarchal, but that was not my experience. Yeah. My experience was we were quiet when my father was saying the blessing over the wine and mm-hmm. I don't want to be quiet. <laughs> yeah. I want to be heard and I want to be seen. Yeah. And I, I want my children and my husband to hear and see me and experience me. So now I do the blessings, you know, Ooh. and sometimes I change things, you know, like the challah, the like ritual bread is usually dipped in salt uh-huh. for whatever reason, except for on Rosh Hashanah, which is the, you know, the new year, the Jewish new year, it's on the Jewish new year, it's dipped in honey as a blessing right. for a sweet new year. And so in our family, we just dip it in honey. And, uh, I, I you know, I'm going to continue on in that sort of path. I'm going to, I'm going to wear the pants in this family, you uh-huh. know, not over anyone else. <laughs> Dad can wear pants too, but, right. um, but that feels important to me and my Judaism feels important to me, but, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you live in New York City, you come from that background, your husband also is Jewish, like you guys are, I think, pretty, you're not going to, you're not removing yourself from the world of, and the culture, you're a New York Jewish gal, and that your husband as well, and so you get to make those traditions now your own. Yeah, and I don't want to remove myself, I actually feel like I want to enjoy it more. When I graduated, I got this scholarship to study Yiddish, which is like this ancient Jewish language. Um, And I learned... Is it the Jewish language when people came to the States? No. Yes. No, tell me. No. It was (laughs) in Eastern 
it's totally okay. cool. Like it's not spoken now. It's spoke. It's spoken among um, Hasidic Jews now, and that's okay. like if Jews are point one percent of the population of the world, Hasidic Jews are like way less than that. So that language is dying for, yeah. because it was the language of Eastern European Jews for many hundreds of years. But um, uh, it, it would like. It, it was the it was the language that allowed Jews to speak cross borders. <clears throat> so there was a Germanic Yiddish, there was a Romanian Yiddish, but but because it had something called Lushan Kaidish in it, which is modern day Hebrew, <clears throat> they could really understand each other. It was essentially Germanic, so it sounds a lot like English. Which for me, as someone who speaks Hebrew and English, and because I have this intuitive gift of uh, language and music and connecting to my ancestors, it really stuck with me. Um, that's something? another outlet in Yiddish, and I want to hear the difference between Yiddish and Hebrew. Sure. So uh, this is a love song that says, "I'd sell my little boots just to be with you. Sleep without a pillow, eat without a table. You, my little cat, my." Bird, oh mine. Oh. <laughs> Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Thank you. You know, that reminds me of at some point I asked you like how does one sing like how do you learn how to sing how how do you sing like that you have such a big voice and you said I sing for my pussy I do you remember that, that? No. yes you said that to me a very long time ago and I always thought of that and I thought of it as I've been teaching it's just like calling the voice up from the deepest 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 parts and hearing you sing, like you've always been an amazing singer and you have such a powerful voice. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. She's been working it from her pussy from all these years. I remember Sam Jacober. She was one of our, um, in our cohort also. Yeah. She, I remember saying like, I just have to speak on stage. Like I have lips at the base of myself. And she said, but you do. Mm, mm, mm. but we do so like every time we breathe we have that ability to breathe into yeah the bottom of ourselves yeah exactly exactly whether you're creating whether you're singing whether whatever it is but coming from that place of depth right i just safety yeah, the root. You're you're rooted. You're grounded. You're not wobbled. You're not just trying to. You're not. You're like a you know a tree who has roots. You can yeah. wave around and you know be all wild and free. I think when you're and you tell me how you feel, but like when you're in your 
your talent, your gifts, your intuition when you're most alive? Do you feel, do you have access to that safety, that rooted feeling that, that like, like unwobbliness? I do, but I feel much more of like, uh, a fiery intensity of like, like I just put my finger in like the goddess's electrical socket. So it's the energetically, it's not like a super slow, peaceful feeling for me when I'm like lit by whatever creative thing I feel like energetically the volume in my body just got turned up more energy is coursing through me than I'm used to it's like the it's like the pulse of the divine because I'm closest to my truth and so then I think you know as we expand energetically we can hold more and so like the more we do that thinking about somebody like Caitlin let's say the first time she gets that part that's like this huge part you know me feel like oh my god and it's really kind of like it's shaky and it's nervous and it's bubbly because that energy of being on the side of your dream job may be still really scary and new but then you do it three four times and you start to inhabit a bigger force field of self and then you then you ride that into this like i think very grounded you know kind of uh more balanced place um i think that that happens because then we forget we forget like oh the first time let's say you you got a role in something or you got on stage like the first time was probably the most exciting moment of your life and then the fifth time sixth time it's it's exciting but it's different you know it's it's it changes and then you, you reach a new yeah. place of expansion. Like then there's a new edge or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my take on it. Yeah. There's also, I mean, I think I, I try to fight this, but there's a little bit of cynicism that comes into play that can feel contracting because or constricting that, that really like fast, like turned up feeling in my body, like all the atoms moving. Oh, I'm so alive and I'm so excited and I hope I do a good job. And, you know, what's my line and right. all of that. Are they enjoying? Am I enjoying whatever's happening? That's always there. That's always there. The one thing that I think that can like dampen that uh-huh. and and like close off that feeling is the cynicism. I deserve to Uh, be here. I've worked my ass off. I, it's like, mm. those are the, my, those are my ego thoughts that say like, all those feelings are uncomfortable. Let's, let's, um, let's close off that channel a little bit. Right. Yeah. I like that. And it is true. It's like, maybe the sparkle doesn't get less, but our relationship to it, like how we work with it gets a bit more skillful or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause, cause you know, the other thing I said, like, I was nervous to come on here oh, you're so and I had to, well, I, I, I'm a big fan of the podcast and I'm a big fan of yours. And I really honor our work together and work in general, you know? I think yeah. it's holy stuff. So I have to honor, oh my gosh, the atoms in my body, they're so alive. Every, oh, mm-hmm. I'm getting nervous. Da, da, da. I have to honor it as if it's like the first time it's happening yeah. ever. Because it's the because it's it's this innocent thing. Yeah. 
That's so beautiful. I was about to ask, when was the last time that you felt that level of aliveness <laughs> in your body? Well, what was another one besides coming in the podcast, which I love? Um, I'm doing a play now and um, it's a workshop and the first preview is on Sunday and just the thought of it, my heart starts to flutter. I like uh-huh. review all my lines before I go to bed and <gasps> all day long. Yeah. Wow. It's like an all, it's a real love for me. Oh. It acting saved my life. Tell us, how did it save your life, Daniela Rabani? I just think, you know, actor training and even just like even community theater, even acting so many, so many great people, so many great thinkers, so many people I admire at least um, started in the performing arts, right? Like in the, in their high school or their middle school. It's such a feeling of belonging. And I also think looking back, looking back, I really loved knowing exactly what to say because in social situations, I didn't, or in any situation, I just didn't know the right thing to say. And it was such a relief to know that I could memorize it and I could say it and then I could work on it. I could say it better or I could say it differently or I can make people laugh. Oh my God, I could do that. Yeah. I can make them cry and like, not because I hurt their feelings, but cry because they just needed, they just needed me to like, like go boop, 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 permission slip granted, you know, like I could do that. How cool that to feel that power in a young person's being Mm -hmm. is, is tremendous. Yeah. Extremely healing. Yeah. So where are you at in your healing journey now? Like what's been going on for you? And I imagine back then you didn't quite know everything that needed to be healed, but you knew that you just needed to be called into performing and expressing and feeling. And then where's the journey taken you and what have you been doing? I, the last two years have been hard. The last mm-hmm. two years in COVID, I, I don't have to believe it believer the subject I think they it's been hard for a lot of people and not hard for some I I I honor that and I yay yay for you if you're listening (laughs) and it and it wasn't but for me it's been really hard I you know before the call um we we talked about epigenetics you and I and um epigenetics is the study of how genes express themselves after a trauma, uh-huh. even if that trauma didn't happen to that person themselves, but if it happened to their mother, their yeah. grandmother, et cetera. And we know this to be true. Of course, we see that, you know, that the, the curiosity around oppressed communities, we see that, we, that people who are born into oppression are already born, you know, from the womb, predisposed to addiction, PTSD, etc. Yeah. So uh, I knew very early on, my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. My father served in the Yom Kippur War in Israel. I knew that I was coming into this life with stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and before that, there was a lot of you know oppression pogroms and my grandparents on my father's side um are from iran 
yeah. that didn't go well. So Iranian Jews. Oh yeah, Persian Jews. Yeah, yeah. They're so okay. fun. My God, they're so fun. Mm-hmm. Did you did you meet any Persian Jews when you were living in LA? Um, I don't think so. Uh, one day we'll go to a party. It's it's okay. really and the food's amazing. Okay. But either way, I so I I I I knew coming into this lifetime that I had stuff. Mm-hmm. What the reason part of the reason why I say that acting and singing music for sure saved my life is that all that stuff had a vehicle out all that right. pain that wasn't even mine because I, I I don't know if, if some of the audience can relate but I, I would be considered a highly sensitive person yeah. touch smell sound light really really you know hits on right. me and and so do other people's feelings yeah so of course I would come into this world with all of that history and care for my history needing an out. And so when I can sing in Yiddish, mm. I can sing for my ancestors. Mm. When I'm in, I, I do these MDMA journeys now, as I mentioned, and I, I'll commune with like 6 million Jews. Like they're just waiting, just waiting. And I see them and I see them waiting and I don't know what they're waiting for. And then I realized they're waiting for my joy because I made it. Because for my grandfather to look at me with my dark black hair and my hazel eyes, oh my God, like there was his mother again. Mm. There, There she was. Like it wasn't all for naught. I could come here. I could, I could be in an, a loving relationship. I could taste the fruit of this world. I could make babies. I could make art. I mean, wow. Wow. But it took, it took a long time to access that wow feeling. Cause for a long time, it felt like for a long time, it actually just felt like nodes on my vocal cords. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I had something called vaginismus, vaginismus, which is painful sex. Um, yeah. I just like, it just a real inability. Yeah, give to, us the laundry list. Hypothyroidism and polycystic ovaries and Lyme disease. And yeah, more, keep, going, keep going. I want people to feel how much you've healed. Oh, more. depression I and anxiety and ADHD. Oh, and uh, a binge eating disorder to deal with all of that physical pain. And when I talked about, when I talk about a healing journey, my impulse to heal was because I was in physical pain. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's just different, but yeah. I I was in physical pain. And so Um, the physical pain came before the psychological or mental or, you know, you know, I never, it never bothered me that I had, it never bothered me that I had ADHD or that I had depression. I just thought that was who I was. Okay. I just like thought that was who I was. And that's who I told, that's who I was told I was. And it didn't, I was very high functioning. Right. Very well in school. Were you put on medication from a young age? No, I was but just I yelled at. Oh, no, I was just yelled at. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, or I'd miss, or, or, or 
I'm also extremely personable. So I use that skill. So I would, I would go to the teacher and I'd say, sorry, I missed the test. And I take the test. Can I cheat off of Alexandra? And then I (laughs) I was very, you know, like I was, I I could get by. Yeah. You're charming. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. It was funny. You're funny. You always, like when I met you, you were working the I'm funny and cute, like a thousand times harder than you are now. Cause that was, that was your shtick. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're still funny and cute. It's just more authentic now. I mean, I think that was a real survival mechanism. I mean, if you're, if you're in physical, if, if you're in physical pain and it's hard to really genuinely hard to focus and you have real goals and an understanding of your, you know, I had real goals and a real understanding of my gifts and how I wanted to share them with the world, but it, but I wasn't always able to do it. That would cause depression. And that depression would mean that I would be like late to class or miss the thing or that, well, what was I supposed to do? I was going to make fun of myself before anyone made fun of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So relatable how we do that. Yeah. And we do that on a mass scale, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't we see it? We see it on. Um, we see, we see it in the mov- in movies all the time. I actually learned it. I remember learning it when I was in high school. I would tell my mom, like, I feel sick, and what I meant was heart sick. I felt depressed. I didn't know how to express it, but I felt sick. Like my body felt heavy, and I just couldn't go to school. And I knew that missing a day of school for me was not a big deal. I could, for me, like I could retain information. I could learn very quickly. It was, I'd be fine, but I would miss a lot of school and I would watch friends. Oh my goodness. And I would, I wish I had done that. So I, so I wanted friends. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be in community. Like I was saying, I, I, that's why I loved plays, right? I mean, how fun is it to be in a Are play? You about to say that Chandler taught you how yes! to be funny. Oh my god! So I would study him, Chandler specifically. Chandler, well, just like I, I couldn't be Phoebe. I'm not Ditsy. I, I, I couldn't care as much as Monica. So this like materialistic and um, needy and Chrissy. Um, I don't remember her. So Rachel Green is the um, Jennifer Aniston character. Oh, that wasn't her. So who was I going to be? Chandler. I was going to be Chandler. Chandler. Oh my God. I studied him. I studied him so that when I would get to school and my friends would make fun of me for missing school again, I would make fun of me first. Wow. That's kind of brilliant. It shows that you are brilliant. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And I just want to say that's a lot of stuff that you healed around. I know that a lot of people out there in the world have, you know, it's all relative considering the amount of suffering that happens in this world, but that's a lot. Of, that's a healing journey to go through. I mean, I remember just you healing with the vagin, vagin, vaginismus, vaginismus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how much work you put into it, all the pelvic floor, um, physical therapy and the pain and feeling estranged from your sexuality. And I remember all of that. And then you're healing from Lyme disease and like, it's like in your thyroid, like and the food, and it's been a lot, it's been a beautiful journey hearing all that together. I'm like, 
wow. And then I know there's all the parent stuff and then there's the the, the family stuff, mm-hmm. the PTSD from the family and, you know, coming from these other countries and other customs and, you know, it's a lot. You know, sometimes I, I think it's a lot or I'll, or I'll hear that reflection in someone and I'll be like, oh, don't say that. I'm fine. No, you're but fine. I think, no, you did a lot of work. Yeah. And I think it's a lot. And something that these journeys have taught me is that I'm really, I'm really big enough for it. Yeah. And that I can be a light for other people. And honestly, I don't even have to be a light for anybody. No, no, no. You just just enjoy my life and enjoy enjoyment. I mean, what is vaginismus really? It's, it's almost the inability to receive pleasure, receive pleasure. This like this feeling of not being safe in the world. And I'm maybe even uh, unworthy actually comes to mind of receiving pleasure what what are vocal cord um nodes or nodules like the the internalized for me look i'm not a doctor okay yeah but for me it was the internalized experience that what i have to say isn't important or that if it Uh is important i'll have to scream over everyone to be heard Yeah. yeah something that really helped um was and you obviously know all about this because you're a filmmaker as well, but I made a short film about my um, grandmother or inspired by my grandmother called Oma and it's on Amazon Prime now. I remember the physical release that I felt like after, and it was hard to make, you know, those things are hard to make. Yeah. Um, but all of that work really did provide a lot of relief for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's, it's a part of the healing journey that in the sort of modern spiritual space, I think is not focused on enough. Like there's a lot of focus on psychedelics and healing, somatic healing, psychotherapy, the creation of art. I think that's where you and I both first went to heal. That's where we both went to connect with God, connect with our emotions, connect with our hearts, connect with our bodies, release our trauma from our voices, our bodies, each other, the relational. And it's, um, you know, it's because I think it's like a little bit more, I don't know if feminine is the word, but like to be in the artistic, it's like, it's, it's vulnerable, right? It's like, you can't just go pay a therapist or pay a facilitator. You have to actually go, okay, how can I transform some of my own pain into art? And not everybody has that as part of their journey, but I do find that I want to focus on that more with women because it's like, don't just go pay another healer and another healer and another healer and another healer and another healer. I mean, if you have all the money in the world, sure, but create something, write something. You know, it's like when I did my web show, I, I, that was just such a relief to finally laugh at myself that like, I was like, you know, smoking and drinking, but also I was super spiritual. And like, I got to finally just be real and honest about that. Hey guys, I am both these things. I am slutty and a party girl, but I'm also like really devoted to my spirituality at the time then. 
Um, and that felt like such a healing because there was such a split inside of me between like this more kind of worldly sexual wild thing and this like, you know, holy yogi, which I'd also explored in my, in my first film, Mary Marie. And then in my book, I got to do it again. And each time it's like, you create for yourself, but other people can enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And to be enjoyed. Yeah. To be just enjoyed. To be witnessed and enjoyed. To be seen, to be heard. Yeah. You know, in so I, I was in the 12-step rooms for a long time, um, healing around this binge eating disorder. There were good things about it and not great things about it, but something that really struck me. And one of the reasons why I don't go to meetings now is because the healing of eye contact mm. with, with a stranger or not a stranger all over the world, there are these 12 step meetings where you sit down and you say, I'm Daniela. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Daniela. Mm-hmm. Right then and there you have received a healing. Yeah. Bonjour, Daniela. Like, like shalom Daniela everywhere yeah. everywhere in this world there are 12 step meetings where they'll just see you in your growing see you in your pain see you in your success see you and say hello like they give you a three minute share to share from your heart and to have a room full of people hear you is extremely healing now I have a meditation teacher, uh, a meditation teacher who says, we don't meditate to get good at meditating. We meditate to get good at life. Right. But we don't want to share for three minutes to a room full of fellow addicts who we love on the path. God bless them. We want to get good at sharing. Yeah. And, you know, we want to get good at being seen. That's what the practice is. Um. So I totally agree. And I have been that person who's been like, oh, doctor this and healer that. And um, I think there is value in it. I think it's important. I think certainly in this past two years, I I have needed support for sure. And nothing and no one can save me but myself, my own gifts, the God of my understanding, my angels. And like any healer who says otherwise, is a fraud. Okay, so I just want to take a quick break from the episode to share about one of my affiliate partners, Chakrabs, the original crystal sex toy company. You may have seen me share about them on Instagram or in the press because I have, because I love them. <laughs> Vanessa Cuccia, who is the founder of the company, and she was also a guest on this podcast in episode six. She really pioneered the idea of using crystals for heightened sexual and spiritual intimacy. Each chakra is handcrafted from 100% natural crystal, and they're completely body safe. And the store carries a wide array of products that infuse your energetic field with the subtle energy that the crystal of your chakra holds. Using a chakra over time can help build sensitivity and reawaken subtle sensations within your body. Yay! (laughs) I have personally used them for years, and I love their products. And over the last few years, I've recommended them to many clients and survivors of sexual trauma, not only for exploring their self-pleasure, but for healing, releasing blockages, feelings held in the body, and rebuilding and reawakening their relationship to sexuality and sensuality over time. 
And also they are these beautiful objects which you can put like, on an altar in some way in your home to really um, embrace them. So use the link in the show notes and the code is Love at checkout to receive a 10% discount in the store. Big love and enjoy. Now back to the episode. I think that's so beautiful. And I think it is a moment to moment choice and era by era of our healing, right? It's like pieces of our healing. We really do need really good trained support. Your vaginismus, for instance, like I, because we wrote this script that we didn't actually make called the, called the untitled orgasm comedy. And, um, and I was going to play, um, Daniela's like orgasm coach. And this was, I don't know, eight years ago, nine years ago, eight years ago, maybe, but because, because we worked on that together, I knew that you hired someone who was good and you went some, and you you needed help on that journey. You needed a strong practitioner because you weren't able to do that pelvic floor or pelvic uh, healing work on your own at that time. Right. Right. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I think it is important to, I think, especially when we're dealing with relational wounds, something that, you know, you know, both of us talk about like in our own, you know, private corners, me and you, like when we heal relationally, we need it. We just need another person there. Sometimes we do need to pay them. Sometimes we do need a practice round, you know, sometimes, you know, I have a really beautiful mother and she's still a beautiful mother to me. And she's also really messed up as have I, and I've only been a mom for five years and I've really messed up. And sometimes you need to hire a mommy. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. you just need to like have a therapist who can see you the way your mother was meant to see you. Couldn't at the time. So that honestly, so that you could look in the mirror. Yeah. Or so that you could look at your own mother. Yeah. Uh, Right. So you could say, I fill that cup. It's okay, mom. I just love you. And I want to be around you. I don't want to hold this grudge against you anymore. Right. Right. It's so true. And you're right. That heals in relationship, you know, with a good practitioner, you can, um, heal like the wound between sisters. Like I, I'm sure many women come to me and they're like a little intimidated or scared and they're really shy at first. And I'm like, no, no, I'm here to love you. I'm here to hold you. Like I'm here to be the person who is on your team when you're having a bad day and you need support. And I think at first, even though people are paying me to coach them and mentor them, people are like, wait, what? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I need you to actually reach out to me and let me hold you. Let me love you in these moments. And I think especially for strong, self-sufficient women who have just learned I can do it all on my own. Like I don't, it's actually too vulnerable to ask for that much help or, you know, I don't want to be an inconvenience or whatever things that happen to, to lean into the help of someone else is so important. I was just listening to a Pema Chodron um, interview with Oprah. Well, and, oh my God, uh, I just listened to some of those back from like 2015 because I needed some Pema. I was, it was 2019, the one that I okay. listened to because it was, I, I didn't read the book, but she was just saying like, you know, the pain you feel is also the depth of pain we experience is also the portal to love. Yeah. Like sometimes 
I remember in, when I was doing a coaching with you and you were like, no girl, I got this. Like, you don't have to mother me. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to like make me laugh. You don't have to make sure I'm okay. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to. Like, I have a deep well of love. I can deal with my, my own stuff on my own time. We could chat as friends, but in this moment, like trust that I have this deep well that's just waiting for you to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that idea of like the pain being a portal to love too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what is it like to be, okay, so you're a mom living in New York City, your husband is a lawyer, you you know, you guys go to Hamptons and then slash you're doing MDMA ceremonies and microdosing on mushrooms. Like how has that been um, how have you brought that into the culture? Do you talk about it at like mom play dates? Do you, you know, is it something that your husband feels like comfortable and safe around? I'm just so curious because I've been in the world of it for a while of alternative healing and that kind of thing. But what about I've, all, I've, I, I've also, I, I'm, I'm not as a practitioner, although like I have some certifications in breathwork and EFT and family constellation, but I don't actually, um, hold space in that way regularly. But I, I've also been doing a lot of woo-woo stuff for a good long time. Wow, so, you? you know, so like, you know, Dan, she's just like, that's another, that's another thing she does. That's her new pelvic floor physical therapy, you know? Yeah. Um, it's he doesn't think twice about it. He doesn't think okay. twice about it. Also because I think by the time I got into the game, it's been very widely. Okay. Uh, yeah, like the Michael. You just accept it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, and I just don't. I just don't think it's that big a deal. But I know I've been I've been microdosing on mushrooms for such a long time, and I know for sure that it doesn't affect my cognition in any way, um, and never has. But I've been doing it for a long time. But it affects it, right? It affects it, it positively. I don't know. I don't okay. know. For me, it's subperceptual. I know that we both okay. taken the same dose, and you're like, I'm hot. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not high at all. Um, I'm not, Yeah. I'm just, it, it's not. And, and I actually just told my nanny that I like this, it, like it's a vitamin for me. And I told her, Oh, I took this vitamin today and, and you should try it. Blah, blah, blah. And she looked at me a little, like, are you on drugs? And I realized, Oh, I can't just share it with anyone. No, but I, to the nanny. <laughs> oh, she's the best. Why? It's not bad drugs. It's like CBD. It's okay, like, okay, what's okay. the big deal? They're in. It should be legal. It should I'll tell be you why. I'll tell you why. The fact that Zoloft and Celexa and Prozac are legal and this is not is just, um, does it just, it, it doesn't make it doesn't make medical sense. sense. No, it doesn't. So, so um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I've been on Zoloft. You know, I've tried Wellbutrin and they don't work for me. So like, do you want a person on this earth who's um, adaptable and loving and, you know, well-adjusted? Or do you want someone who's taking a pharmaceutical and just getting by? Right. So that I, it's different for everyone. I don't think yeah. pharmaceuticals are a no in general at all at all for me it didn't work so and there's just no reason anymore. for me to be depressed what's that no yeah and just there's just no reason for me to be depressed yeah or anxious yeah 
yeah. um, particularly when I have two children to care for. So like, it's so, it's so interesting. Cause like, isn't it to me being altered chemically by depression and anxiety should be taken more seriously because it's like than eating a mushroom. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I have no problem telling people and I, I'm, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> I'm so glad. I, I'm so glad. And I love it. And I love that. Like, I love that you're probably telling all of these moms in New York and that you're probably people, even that have heard of it, you're probably bringing it more into their awareness. Yeah. I don't, you know, a lot of moms are struggling and have been for these past two years yeah. in silence. Yeah. Um, and without community, it's, I, I was, I noted earlier in the conversation when you said that, um, your first NYU show was about the isolation of our time. I know that was back in 2000 and freaking two pre iPhone. I know it's it called was. reading between the lives, a thousand lonely liberations. Oh my gosh. I love it. You were so intense. You guys, I was, I think you were, Oh my God. You guys think this is intense. Alexandra was so intense. Was there some blood somewhere on the stage? Oh my, well, I did. Oh my God. I mean, I did that other performance art piece where I were, oh my I don't know if I've ever told the story. If I have, forgive me people, but I wore all white and I came out with this huge white poster board and they cut a hole in it for my mouth. And so that you couldn't see anything, but a huge white poster board in the hole with my mouth. And I spit a uh, fake blood down through the hole, like a glory hole or something. And then I came and stood on the other side of the poster and I took my finger and I painted kind of like Johnny Depp. I heard <laughs> bad. <laughs> I painted with blood. I wrote the words women in love, which is the name of the DH Lawrence book. And so I was already just, freaking talking about my tumultuous relationship with love, AKA attachment wounds, <laughs> women in love. And then I read like a Margaret Atwood poem about, uh, or I didn't read it. I recited it about women around the globe. And it was like, kind of went into all these different women's experiences, like honor killings and trafficking and female right. circumcision. And, and then, you know, and then I don't know what I did, but I stuck, I stuck my hands in my underwear where I had red rose petals and I pulled the red rose petals out and I just sprinkled them all over. So beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. It was, I mean, it was tormented and beautiful. And I mean, maybe that's just me. I'm always going to be kind of emo. I think it's like, I was like a romantic Victorian in another life and I don't know. Always have a I part of me, a part of me, you know, my Mars. Yeah, it's know. also a part of you. Um, yes, emo, sure, but I also the exploration about being a woman and yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. always been a part of you. I'll never stop telling the story about how your first monologue in school was about Juliet having an orgasm. It was, it was. That was how I arrived on the scene at NYU. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like I felt into my own journey around healing, around being a woman and my sexuality, my body at a, at a young age, like that was yeah. a, very apparent to me. Um, 
And so I've changed locations and I've like dated men, dated women. I've been in different communities, different job titles. The thing that has stayed the same has been my commitment towards that through line of supporting women, women's <laughs> voices, connecting with the body, sexuality, spirituality. So, you know, sometimes I look at the outside of a life and I think all of us can, it's like, this is chaos. I lived in New York. I lived in Seattle. I lived in Portland. I lived in LA. You know, I was a this. I did, I directed commercials. I nannied for rich people. I chef personal, you know, just like what? But then underneath all of it, there's like, there's a heart pulsing and beating and that's saying, well, this is what I'm, what I really stand for and what I care about. Yeah. I see the through line so vividly. What's yours? Do you have one? On my own? I don't know. Or just like a thing, a mission that you feel really connected to right now. Also. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know what it is. And you said it to me over text before this call. You said, I just really want to give permission to women to be exactly who they are. Yeah. And I, I think that that might be my, I think my existence, you know, is that is that permission? I, 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 I have this podcast, you know, in my acting, in the way I mother, I'm always giving it the way I, 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 the way I am with my friends. And when I hold like breathwork sessions, I'm always giving permission for people to be themselves. Yeah. And we really, I think we really need that. And I'm not sure that we got, I, I, I know I didn't, but I don't know that even from like a societal perspective, forget parents. No. I, don't, I don't know that, that there are enough uh, voices like that. So, so there's. Who are the people that you do notice that are out there with that voice? Permission to be yourself. I mean, I think you do it. No, throw me out. Who else? I want to know. I need inspiration. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I just I wanted people to hear too and just, you know. You know, there's this great um Instagrammer named TikToker named Elise Myers. Do you know her? Okay. No. She also she does a lot of stuff on like being ADHD, but more than anything, she's just funny yeah. and will tell stories about her life. And she's so herself. And then will like, you know, give you by the way reels where she's like just want you to know it's totally okay to be you. Oh, I mean, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. And so I love we have her. her. Who else we got? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I think a lot of people are um, trying really hard to look perfect or oh, put God. together or like they're not, they're impervious to life's ups and downs. Yeah. But, but I could be wrong. I, and I certainly play that game sometimes too. No, you don't. I don't think you do. I'm sorry. Oh my I'm God. Sorry. I don't think you do. You're so honest on your podcast. Her podcast is called Mom Curious. You're super honest and you're very vulnerable. And you're very vulnerable here. Um, I find a lot of people who work specifically like in the wellness space or the coaching space, I don't, I find that people share about where they're fucked up and broken only if it's in the past and it's all good and it's all sealed up and it's all cleaned. 
And that's why I was really inspired recently when Glennon Doyle shared that she's had, she had her eating disorder uh, relapse and <sighs> she, yeah. So she did a whole podcast about how she's, you know, was binging and purging and all this stuff. And I thought that is so fucking cool. That is so fucking cool to me. She has this huge following. She's done all this stuff around healing and recovery. And, um, and you know, she's just like, Hey guys, they fucked up for six months. I was, you know, puking and no one noticed and they didn't tell anyone, you know? And I want to just say like, she didn't fuck up. No, exactly. I don't know if those are her words. Right. Right. No, I know. And I, I, you know, I just want to just say like, there are little people inside of us that may or may not have gotten what they needed and developed coping mechanisms. Yes. And I don't know that those coping mechanisms ever go away or those wounds ever go away. We just get better at parenting those little people. Yeah, it's true. And I I feel like as we heal, what I've been kind of tuning into is like the coping mechanisms can get stronger then they can kind of go away. I had periods um, in my journey where like my coping mechanism was always smoking cigarettes, but I, or smoking tobacco. So I had periods of time where I just like didn't touch it completely sober. didn't, I wasn't drawn. And then times where I just like went deep in. Um, and it will all, it'll be a lifelong relationship that I am monitoring, you know, like if I'm at the ceremony or like the party and someone offers me tobacco, like it was all, like, that relationship, that moment, that decision will always be big for me. It just will, because I love it. And I, yeah, I love the little, I like, I like smoking also. Yeah. A little organic tobacco. I put the little, you know, herbs in it. And I learned how to do that when I was young and I would just, it'd be such a private thing. And that's why I knew it was like really coping because I would do it only alone at night, sitting down. And you know what? Yes. No, I'm just really resonating with that. I think sometimes when I overeat or I'm like eating my kids candy or whatever, like sometimes it's just my way of being like, I just want to be alone. Mm. I want something for me. Mm. I want yeah. some- and also something that I learned is um, just recently that there could be a link between ADHD and disordered eating, or I don't think I eat so disordered, disorderly anymore. I I don't have that relationship with that label anymore. However, you know, um, people who have ADHD and like who, some of us who are like, um, highly sensitive, like sensory experiences are really important. We know this with children, but like, just like the sensual experience of eating for me can really snap me back into the present. And if I can see for what that is, like, Ooh, I just needed this bite of bread. (sighs) Then I can at least be with myself. I don't have to judge myself. Yeah. Like, what if like, I love the sprinkle of the, 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 okay. I mean, What's unfortunate is that like addictive tendencies means that we'll do it over and over and over again. But exactly. Yeah. What if we just like pour some compassion on that experience? I know. I have been more compassionate with myself about mine over the last few years. And as they've gone away and come back and gone away and come back. And also being just honest, like with my friends, being like, I love tobacco. So if you bring it around, I'm probably gonna smoke <laughs> with you, you know, and 
and then meeting all the other kind of closeted lovers of it, you know, because it, that happens. And it's like, not just because you become a spiritual conscious person that you no longer have the desire to, I don't know, for you, maybe to eat the bread or the gummies or <laughs> for me to not have the organic tobacco, you know, it's like, it's not going to go away. But, but it is something like, I think, I have had periods of my life where my cravings, whether it was around food or over-exercising or smoking, where they've gone away. And that's just been so beautiful to have. It's it's great to have that reference point where I'm like, oh, yeah. wow, I had those years where I like didn't smoke at all or I didn't weigh, weigh myself at all. Yeah. That's really, oh my God, you've had years where you don't weigh yourself? Yeah. My God, I, I like, I've had, a, I have had months. I really don't think it's been, I, wow. Oh no, I don't, I don't get near a scale. Actually, if I see one, I'll put it, I mean, I'll put it away just so I'm not tempted. Um, and at the doctor's office, I tell them not to tell me. I didn't know that. Good for you. I just don't want, and I don't want a reason to go spiral. And I've been doing that for so many years that, I mean, it probably wouldn't spiral me necessarily, but it just feels like a great boundary. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I don't need to know, you know, you don't need to measure your worth in pounds. No. And the doctor <laughs> wants to know, I don't know, because they just, that's what they do. You don't but, need to know. but you know, I do know because I did just get rid of a bunch of clothes from 2018. I went through my closet and I was like, this, these 2018 clothes were really, it, it wasn't me smoking. It was just me not eating a lot. And I, maybe I was busy, maybe I was heartbroken, but I definitely, I look back at pictures of <laughs> that there was something going on that it, maybe it was subconscious that I was trying to stay thin. I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not that same way. So I went through my whole closet. I, first, I thought it'd be really funny. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about it, but like, I'll just try them on just to make sure I don't want to get rid of them. Oh. <laughs> Oh my God. And then my partner's like, well, let me see. Cause I want to see maybe I don't, you know, maybe some of them you want to keep. And I, then the shame started coming. I started to put on this dress that I wore to Bunny Michael's wedding. And it was such a cool yellow dress. And I started, I remember that dress. Oh, you do. I, I, it would not make it over my hips and thighs. It was just like, and, and I, didn't even, I didn't even want to tell my partner and I didn't want to engage in any drama by being like, it doesn't fit. I'm fat, got fat, whatever. I was just like, nope, we're not trying any of these on. We're just putting them in the bag and releasing them. Yeah. I've been doing that also. I've been buying, you know, I think like for whatever reason, I like thought to myself, oh, this body doesn't deserve to be dressed if it's not the body that I am working towards that I've never actually had. What? Right. It, it didn't even make sense. It was never, I, I was never going to win. It's like, it, it's like if I, if I had a pre-baby body or a wedding body or a teenage body, I, I, those things happened already. In what world am I trying to be in the, why would I want to be in the past? Right, 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 right. They were pretty things, but like, I've decided recently just this past year to dress the body that I have. Look how cute my poof sleeves are. You look amazing. I look amazing because I'm wearing clothes that fit me. Yeah, and we're short and curvy. Of course I didn't have anything to wear. And what did you say? We're short and curvy. We can't wear the same things as like tall, skinny people. We just can't. No, and you know what? We're so pretty. 
We are right. Oh my God, you guys, I'm so sorry. And also this is what happens when friends love each other. So enjoy what? or go puke. <laughs> Not puking. But, the thing is, like, but, like, <laughs> but that's the truth. You know what? If I'm going to be honest about, um, if I'm going to be honest about like letting people be who they are, who you are is probably really beautiful. You know, like there, it's okay to enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Even if I don't fit it, I don't fit into those jeans. They had to go. And there were a couple that I kept, by the way, I definitely kept them because I just like, yeah. couldn't let go of that. Like look that I had, I had a great look and how much, what, but yeah. I kept them. There was a lit. And it's taking up space in my closet. And you know what? Maybe I'll go back and give it to I somebody. I have a few jeans kitchen. that it's the same. It's the same. Okay. But my body doesn't like to wear jeans. And I realized that when I was, um, I think in college. And then I remember being like, thank God, I never have to wear freaking jeans. And then when I moved from, I think it was Portland or Seattle, but it wouldn't. I moved like back to New York and I remember buying a pair of Levi's from like Buffalo exchange and being like, okay, I'm going to put them on again. Cause I just felt so gross and jeans always, I just felt like I was stifled. And even now my belly always feels like it's being, um, forced in. And so if I wear them, I only wear them for a few hours and I'm okay with that. I don't like wearing jeans and I follow this, like, you know, parenting philosophy where, we don't put like, I never put my kids in anything constricting so that they could like move their body. That's great. Because the, because the brain is in the body. I mean, for a developing mind, yeah. it's a whole other thing. Like I, I'm sort of stuck with this hardware, except not because I take microdoses of mushrooms. So that, that again. Blah. <laughs> but, um, but I just don't think we're meant to be constricted like that. No, I, just, I don't think so. I think we're, we should feel comfortable. I think we should feel comfortable. Um, and I'm so glad you got rid of stuff that doesn't feel comfortable. Me too. I'm going to let you go back to your life with your kids and your Why? and your husband. Because it's time to finish. We've been going. Because we're done. We did it. Oh, yeah, I feel like we did it. But I do want to ask you two questions before we go. Okay. Um, what are some books that you've read recently that have been inspiring, uplifting, exciting? I know your mom. Do you read? I you never know, right? really read. I, I'm going to look at my Audible. I never really read. Well, Audible counts as reading these days. Shut up, really? I'm an yeah. avid reader. You're an avid reader. Great. Yeah. I listened yeah. to your book on Audible. I know. Okay. It's a trauma point for me because they wouldn't let me read it out loud. I know, but it, it, that's remember the you coached me through the, vo- the voice coaching. Yeah, I do remember. And it's, Ouch. it's yeah, that okay. was actually for. I'm gunning for book two. Okay, great. You should. I'm excited about that. Um, I wrote, I read um, The Body Keeps the Score. Okay, great. Have you ever read it? I have. We read it last, or in 2020 as part of my group program. It's very dense. It's, it's a heavy hitter. Yeah. Um, I read Gabby Bernstein's Happy Days. This is in her newest book? Yeah. How is it? I thought it was beautiful. It was oh, so great. nice. Yeah, it oh. was beautiful. Um, the Letters Project by Eleanor Risa. She basically tracks down her parents, you know, Holocaust history, which they never shared with her. She says that she, I, I interviewed her on, on my podcast, but she basically says that she thought that her father was a loser. Uh-huh. And it turns out he was this like magnificent man who oh. had just gone through hell and back. But oh. um, it was really beautiful. It's a really, really beautiful 
um, story. And those are the books that I read. I really awesome. just read the uplifting stuff, I guess. Oh, every doctor sp- with the kids. You're yeah. reading every day with the kids. And when do you listen to Audible? Are you walking in, in the subway, dropping the kids off? Like when, when do you usually do it? I guess when I'm getting ready, I, I, I am a real extrovert. I like to be with people. So even if like a podcast is playing or like Audible is on, I feel like in communion, you know? So. I do too. So I really do. I, I've, I noticed that like recently I was like, oh, this is like a co-regulation for me. Oh my gosh, that's what we call it. That's great. There was part of me that doctor, judged. Go ahead. No, there was part of me that judged that I didn't want to be in silence, but I don't want to be in silence. We have a lot of energy, so I like to be fed a lot, and they yeah. feed me. Doctor yeah. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, I love listening to her voice. Who who wrote Women Who Run with the Wolves? She has yes. a bunch of. I don't know if they're on Audible, but. A bunch of st- like little kind of talks with sounds true. I think I might have mentioned this recently. Sorry to repeat, you guys, but um, I I you know I never heard it, so thank you for telling me. Yes, I mean she's it's just it's like a voice that's like a crone wisdom transmission. Mm. Yeah, mm. And, and then I, I also Abraham Hicks. I uh, my friend sends me like it's not um it's not my go to, but I do think they have some they have some some nuggets of wisdom to share i'm into it yeah i have like multiple mixed feelings about Abraham, but i definitely used to listen to every morning today is a magnificent day today i'm living my life fully when i was living in la i would listen to that i would be like i'm in the vortex creating my perfect life right now (laughs) yeah yeah like that's very la which you know what it's working for a lot of people so it is. last time, as long as they yeah. take into account the great old social landscape of reality and they don't just go into the bubble of their own manifestations, but that's a conversation for another day. So my second question before we go is, um, who else is inspiring you besides the TikTok girl, just in general, could be dead, alive, family, friends, celebrities. Did you watch that Emma Thompson movie on Hulu? She inspired me recently. Really? The, no, I didn't watch it. Um, good luck to you, Leo Grant. She gets completely naked and she's like, you know, an older actress. I mean, older is relative, but um, I thought that was inspiring. She got naked and it's about sex and orgasm. I like that. Yeah. Um, you know what? Thank you for asking that question. I'm going to answer honestly and say like, I don't know. And I want to keep that question in mind so that I keep looking for inspiration. I don't think that was on my to-do list. You know, I don't think that was like something that I've been doing. Two small children. I guess, you know, but I also have a me to take care of. Inspiration is important. I'm always looking for inspiration, whether it's fashion or art or spirituality, creativity, music I'm always just like I don't know I'm just always hungry for it um I think especially not living in a city right now I'm just like give it to me anyway yeah yeah no I want to I want to like I'm I know I'm hungry for it I just I'm not acknowledging it so I thank you for the question I don't have an answer thank you so we usually ask people to say a mystical experience but I think you already said it because I was really moved you didn't give us a full long one experience but I was really moved when you mentioned um seeing all of these Jewish people in your MDMA vision and I felt like that was a really beautiful mystical experience um even though we didn't do the long version of it that we still got that in 
and it definitely gave me goosebumps just to feel that healing and that moment of, you know, your ancestors seeing you live in joy. And um, yeah, I think that, that that's really beautiful. Thanks for sharing that part. Yeah. You know what was really interesting to me um, now that I've been like more in touch with my ancestors, my grandfather specifically, um, I have artist ancestors too. They're not just Jews. Like mm-hmm. I always thought of ancestors as like blood relatives. Um, mm-hmm. And like, it came to me in a breathwork session, ugh, all these funny people, <laughs> just comedians and singers and yes, and women, you know? I just thought I'd offer that. They don't have to be our blood ancestors because we have partaken from their lineage. Like we're part of their lineage. Yes. And also like the air I breathe, they've touched, you know, like we're we're this one thing. And, and even, even if it's, even if I can't find the words to express it, like I know those are my people. Same. I really feel that too. Oh, thank you all for listening. We've been friends for a long time. So it's kind of like you got to listen to our friend conversation, which I hope you enjoy. Find Daniela's podcast, Mom Curious Podcast. Also, Daniela Rabani on Instagram. Uh, Her podcast is awesome. Go like it and do all of the amazing things. Subscribe to it. And um, we'll put all of her information in the show notes. Anything else that's going on for you that you want to share about? Um, No, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for our 20-year-long love. Love. It'll be 20 years in in September, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. You know what you said? That was so meaningful to me. That in this relational field, and I think you said it in regards to like being a coach, but we heal our sister wounds also. And I love my sister, but in this love that we have, me and you, Alexandra, I really do feel that repair. Like I feel that sisterly bond. Me too. Me too. Yeah. And we didn't talk about our rupture for two years, but it's so great that we came back together. Yeah. 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 We got to have that. Mm-hmm. I uh, I appreciate you and I love you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all of that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.